Good morning and happy new year, Hope Markham. It's a privilege to be with you again. Thank you for welcoming myself and my wife, Rachel, so kindly each time we're with you. As Matt said, go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 will be in verses 1 to 11 in this passage of Scripture. Have you noticed in our culture this obsession with trying to find the secret sauce, with trying to locate and determine that life hack, that thing, that system, technique, which is meant to revolutionize your life forever? It seems like every week there's a new guru trying to advertise a new gimmick of how you can become a better version of yourself. And yet with a closer examination of what they're trying to sell you, you find out it's the same old self-help, self-effort, I-can-do-it mantras. Without realizing it, we can adopt that way of thinking and actually bring it into our Christian lives. And we begin to, begin to think to ourselves that all I need to do is buckle down and try harder and I can make myself a better Christian. And yet, is that true? Are you the answer to your Christian walk? Are you the one who is able to make yourself spiritually flourish? Do you have what it takes within yourself to cause yourself to thrive as a Christian. In John chapter 15, on the night before Jesus would be crucified, he had something to say about this very specific topic. In John 15, 1 to 11, Jesus will answer this question for us, and he'll show us who is the key to thriving as a Christian. And we'll find out that it's neither you nor I, it's him. Jesus is the key to you thriving as a Christian. You staying close to Jesus is the key to thriving, to bearing much fruit in your Christian life. This year, if you want this to be a year different from the last in your walk with Jesus, then you need to know staying close to Jesus means everything. So John chapter 15 verses 1 to 11 is where we'll be. As I said, this is the evening on which Jesus will be captured. This night, he's been giving his disciples much teaching. And thus far, he's already washed his disciples' feet. He's taught them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And now, he's already told them that he'll soon return to heaven. In John 15, he opens up with this metaphor, this parable-like metaphor. And he'll teach us that our great need is to stay close to him in order to thrive, in order to be fruitful. In the first three verses of John 15, Jesus introduces us to the cast members and the characters in this metaphor. So look at your Bibles, John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus introduces us to the first characters. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus walks us into God's vineyard, and he says, I am the true vine. I am the one that is attached to the branches. And then he says, my father is the vine dresser. My father is the one who keeps the vineyard, the one who tends to the care of the branches. Now he'll introduce us to the branches, and we'll find two branches with two separate outcomes. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit more fruit. 
Jesus introduces us to the fruitless branch and the fruitful branch. The presence or absence of fruit will determine the destiny of these branches, whether the one will be cut off forever or the branch that is bearing much fruit will be pruned by the vine dresser in order to increase its yield. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, which of these branches is the Christian to identify with, and what does this analogy teach us about what it means to be saved? Well, Jesus clarifies all of this in verse 3. Look at verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus makes this definitive statement. He explains that because of the words he's spoken, the words which testify to himself as Savior, as Lord, as King, because of these words and faith in these words, the disciples have already been saved. At this point, the disciples, the 11 disciples, are already part of God's family. They're not strangers. They believe in Jesus. They're not like Judas. The point of this metaphor is not to show us how to be saved, but how we are to live in light of already being saved. Now, this is so important to understand from the get-go because a wrong application of this text would be to go and say, if I do everything that follows in John chapter 15, I'll become a Christian. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Salvation is solely through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and in his gospel, his death and resurrection for our sake. So we see in this passage, the only right interpretation of this text is to identify true Christians with the faithful and fruitful branches and false converts with the fruitless branches. Now with all of this understood, look at verse 4, and this will bring us to the crux of the matter. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus brings us to the heart of the matter. He gives us this command, abide in me. The word abide means to remain, to stay, to continue in. Therefore, to abide in Jesus means to remain in him. It means to continue in Jesus. Here he's communicating to us this sense that we've already been brought near to Jesus through repentance and faith. And now we're to continue staying near to our Savior. In other words, to abide means to live in complete reliance on Jesus. It is to draw all your resources from Christ the same way a branch draws sap from the vine. To abide in Jesus is to do the opposite of drifting in your relationship to Christ. To put it succinctly, to abide in Jesus means to stay close to Jesus. This is the command of God towards you today. He calls you to stay close to him. Stay close to me. That's what Jesus says. If we wanted to summarize this passage, we could summarize it with this statement. If I want to thrive as a Christian, I must stay close to Jesus. If I want to thrive as a Christian, I must stay close to Jesus. If I want to bear much fruit, I must abide in Christ. This then leads us to our first principle of what it means to thrive as a Christian. You can write this down. If I want to thrive as a Christian, I must stay close to Jesus. I must stay close to Jesus, number one, because he is my only source of power. Because Jesus is my only source of of power. Look at verse 4. Look at what Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, 
neither can you unless you abide in me. In no uncertain terms, Jesus makes it clear why he gives this commandment to abide. It's because there is no other way to bear fruit other than abiding in Jesus. There is absolutely 100% no other way of bearing much fruit in your Christian life other than abiding in Jesus. You see, this is what separates Christianity from all other world religions. Not only is it true, but we find in Christianity that we're not looking to improve ourselves. We're not looking to make a better version of Toby or of any one of you. Rather, instead, it is about receiving and living the life of Jesus through your body and your personality. When you became a Christian, you were supernaturally connected to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that in the deepest way, in a mystical and mysterious way, it could be said of you that when Jesus died, you died. And that when Jesus rose to life, you likewise experienced a resurrection. The theological term for this is called union with Christ. Union with Christ. If you want to learn more about how amazing this is, go and read Romans chapter 6. Christ's call to abide in him is on this foundational reality of already being united to Jesus. If you're a Christian, you have been united to Jesus. Therefore, the Christian walk is not a call for you to try harder or to level up. It is a call for the old sinful you to be buried in the grave and to allow the pure and holy life of Jesus to be lived through your body and through your person. This is what Paul was getting at in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You see, Christian flourishing is all about staying vitally connected to Jesus. It's all about staying close to Jesus. And in case we were foggy, in case we were still wondering what exactly does this mean, look at verse 5. Jesus clarifies absolutely. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now your inner skeptic might be wondering to itself, okay, come on. Really? Nothing? Surely there must be something I can do on my own. Surely. Come on. Something, even a little bit, 10%? Isn't there something I can do on my own? And what about my neighbor who's even nicer than some Christians I know. Isn't that good fruit? Isn't that person doing good things, spiritual good? Well, friend, in this passage, there is no hyperbole. When Jesus says nothing, he really does mean nothing. And it's also important to keep in mind what Jesus means by fruit. He's referring to spiritual fruit. He's referring to spiritual Good. He's referring to that which can only be produced in the life of a Christian by the grace and spirit of God. It's true that people seem to be able to produce fruit, but we must understand that the fruit that Jesus is referring to can ultimately be characterized as Christ like conduct and Christ like character. We can summarize spiritual fruit in the Bible as being Christ like conduct and Christ-like 
character. If you want examples of this, you can read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, or even the entire Sermon on the, on the Mount is an example of what true spiritual fruit looks like. Those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn over their sin, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who turn the other cheek and let their light shine through good works. Of course, a great list of what true spiritual fruit is is in Galatians chapter 5, in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest. This is what true spiritual fruit is, Christ-like character and Christ-like conduct. Yes, when we look at non-Christians, it looks like they bear such fruits of respectable character and that they do good things in the eyes of man. But in the eyes of God, this counterfeit look-alike fruit is rotten. It's rotten because it does not come from Christ, and it's rotten because it is not done to the glory of God. Comparing this counterfeit fruit to true spiritual fruit is like saying one million Ugandan shillings is the same as one million U.S. dollars. While Ugandan shillings would have little value in America, counterfeit fruit is completely worthless to God. Jesus is saying, and he makes it true, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Thus, brothers and sisters, here is the reason why you must stay close to Jesus today and forever this year. It's because he is your only source of spiritual power. You have no power in yourself. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we are empty. Christ has all fullness. You and I, we are needy. Jesus Christ has all riches of grace. You and I, we are weak and frail. Jesus Christ is mighty and strong. Therefore, rely on him. Therefore, go to Christ for all that you need. Draw your resources from the heavenly bank account of Jesus. Do not rely on yourself. Rely on Christ. Some of you are in situations where unsaved loved ones are making your life miserable. They despise your faith. And yet the scripture commands you to bless those who curse you. The only way you'll be able to do that is by staying close to Jesus. Some of you parents are homeschooling your children. And that verse in Proverbs that says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child is quickly becoming your life verse. Sister, how will you respond to your child with patience and kindness? The only way to do that is by abiding in Jesus. Some of you are fighting the reoccurring sin habit of gossip and jealousy. How will you mortify the deeds of the body? The body? How? Only by abiding in Jesus. Only by staying close to Jesus Christ. We cannot do it on our own, and we were never meant to do it on our own. See what Jesus says. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. Here in this verse, we see correlation and causation. Every believer has been connected to the life-giving vine, Jesus Christ. Therefore, any believer, including you, can bear much fruit. In fact, there is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. There is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. Every true believer will and must bear fruit. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and they're burned. 
Here, Jesus describes for us the fruitless branch, the person who claims to be a believer yet shows no lasting change in their character or conduct. Could this be you here today? Could this be you watching at home today? You claim to be a Christian, but you're just as harsh and angry as you've always been. You claim to be a Christian, you serve as an usher, and yet you're committing secret, unrepentant sin daily. You claim to be a Christian coming to youth group for years, and yet you have no interest in the things of God. Friend, do not ignore your conscience at this moment. The scripture makes it clear. Those who are close to Jesus, those who are connected to Jesus will abide and they bear fruit. How much fruit you bear depends on how close you stay to Jesus. And yet, to speak of the absence of fruit bearing altogether, that's a different game. The absence of fruit is the absence of true saving faith. Do you resemble more like the fruitless withering branch or the fruitful abiding branch? I warn you, in this metaphor, dead branches are thrown into the fire. In the afterlife, fake converts, fake Christians are thrown into the eternal fire, into hell. I urge you, do not continue to rely on your own strength. The best version of yourself will never be good enough to be accepted by God. Give up on all self-effort. Give up on all self-initiation. Go and become connected to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your evil ways. Believe in Jesus Christ, and he will connect you to himself. In his life, death, and resurrection, believe and trust, and you will be forgiven to your sins, and you'll be connected to the life-giving vine. And you too will know the fruitful and abundant life described here in John chapter 15. So far, Jesus has shown us our need for abiding. He's shown us that we need to stay close to him because he's our only source of power. Now he's going to show us how to stay close to him. How do we stay plugged in to the power source? Look at verses 7 to 10 and notice if you can see the means by which we stay close to Jesus. Look at verse 7 to 10. Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Do you see it there? It's the statements, the utterances, the commands of Jesus. This is how we abide in Jesus, how we stay close to him. It's through the word of God. It's through God's word that we stay connected to Jesus Christ. This leads us to our second principle of staying close to Jesus. I must stay close to Jesus by living a word-centered life. I must stay close to Jesus by living a word-centered life. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Fascinating. Jesus is about to explain to us what it means to abide in him, and he shows us, he equates staying close to himself with staying close to his words. For us today, the words of Jesus have been recorded for us in the scriptures. Because all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture has been authored by the triune God, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
And because all scripture testifies of Christ, Luke 24, 44, 45, this means that all of the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, is the word of Christ. And Jesus shows us here this expectation that his followers then and now would be people in whom the word of God dwells richly. That we would be people who cherish and harbor the word of God in our hearts when it's read by us or when we hear it preached. What Jesus is showing us here is that a diligent absorption of God's word is one of the key ingredients to staying close to him and thriving as a Christian. The problem with us is that we often approach reading the Bible and listening to sermons the same way a university student approaches reading his accounting textbook or listening to a lecture with eyes glazed, unable to remember what we read or heard just an hour earlier. We read the Bible, but we don't digest it. We listen to it, but we have not absorbed it. Church, do you realize the transformative power of the Bible is unleashed in your life when you understand it and when you meditate upon it? When you understand what the scriptures mean and what they then mean for you. When you meditate on these realities, that's when Romans 12, 1 and 2 happens. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, this is the difference between reading the Bible for a check mark versus reading the Bible to stay close to Jesus. The first seeks to say, I've read my Bible and I'm done for the day. While the second seeks to say, I've read my Bible and I've been transformed. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to absorb the word. The same way you make lemonade by squeezing and pressing lemons until enough juice comes out. That's the same way you need to approach the scriptures. Taking the scriptures, squeezing them, meditating on the word of God, deliberating on them until something comes out, until you are changed. The scriptures. This is how we are to be staying close to Jesus, by absorbing the word. Therefore, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, this year, Train yourself to read the word slowly. Train yourself to approach the word of God, not solely with the goal of reading for quantity, but reading for quality. Reading and listening to the word with the goal of comprehension in mind. Actually understanding, actually getting from the word the nourishment which it has for you. This is what it means to absorb the word. This is what it means to stay close to Jesus. And the amazing thing is, is if we do this consistently, it will begin to change our prayers so that we actually begin to pray the word of God. We absorb the word, then we pray the word. Look again, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Pray. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. See the link between scripture and prayer? The more you're in the word, the more the word is in your prayers. And as you pray the word of God, you begin to change and you begin to desire what, God's, what God wills so that you're genuinely praying God's will. You're genuinely praying, Lord, your will be done. And yet not only in a passive way of saying, well, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in my life today. Your will be done. But more so in an active way and a more so a purposeful pursuing of the prescriptive will of God. Pursuing what God has already said in his word is his will. What I mean is you learning and absorbing the word such that you begin to say, God, 
Your word tells me it's your will to give thanks in all circumstances. Therefore, help me to give thanks even with this new diabetes diagnosis. Lord, your will be done. Or saying to God, Lord, I I read the word and it shows me that the spirit is meant to make me a witness. A witness of the gospel. Therefore, God, please, let your will be done. Help me to go and tell my co-worker the gospel this week. Your will be done. This is what happens when we begin to absorb the word. We begin to pray God's word. We begin to pray for God's will as we pray his word. And the amazing thing is that when we do this, we can have every expectation that our prayers will be answered. Why? Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. It pleases and glorifies God to answer the word-guided prayers of his children, because when you pray God's will, inevitably you'll be praying for more fruit. Inevitably, when you pray for God's will in your life, you'll find that your prayers will begin to shift from circumstance and they'll begin to shift towards character and conduct that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be praying, God, make me more holy. God, make me more godly. God, make me more like your son. And our Father loves to answer those prayers because they bring him glory as he does what only he can do in your life. And it shows through those answered prayers, through that means of bearing fruit in your life, that you're truly a Christian. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Therefore, people of God, pray the word. Pray the word of God. This is how you stay close to Jesus, by praying the word, absorbing the word, praying the word. Likewise, in this verse, verse 8, we see a means, a solution, an aid to those of us who sometimes struggle with whether or not we're truly Christians. See what Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit is the evidence of true Christianity. Therefore, brother and sister, if you're struggling, am I truly saved? Then do what the Bible's prescribing. Pray to God. Ask God in heaven, Lord, please help me to bear fruit. Help me to bear fruit that would denounce every doubt in my heart of whether or not I truly belong to you. The Lord's clear. That's the type of prayer he's willing and joyful to answer. Pray the word. Obey the, pray the word. Absorb the word. Pray the word. And now finally look again, verse 9 and 10. Obey the word. Verse 9, Jesus says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now, we just need to pause because that's a verse you need to keep in your back pocket. That's a verse you need to keep with you at all times. When you're having a bad day, you go back to this verse. Jesus Christ says, with all the love of the Father, I want to tell you now, Christian, I love you. Jesus says, on behalf of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I want you to know this, believer in the Lord, I love you. That's a verse you keep with you at all times. And Jesus now says, in essence, because I love you, he says, abide in my love. He says, stay close to me. That's what it means to abide in the love of Jesus. It means that we're staying close to him, that we're staying near to him. It's the same thing he said in verse 4, abide in me. It's the same thing Jude says in his epistle in verse 21 when he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. They're all saying the same thing. Stay close to Christ. 
stay close to Jesus. And now Jesus will show us the third ingredient of how we stay close to him. Absorb the word, pray the word, and now obey the word. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I love this so much. I love that Jesus makes things so clear for us. That he's not leaving us to wonder about how do I thrive as a Christian. He makes it so clear. Stay close to me by obeying my words, by obeying the Bible. Any army cadet knows that if you want to make it as a soldier, you have to obey your commanding officer. Well, any Christian must know that if you want to thrive, if you want to bear much fruit, then you must obey the commander of your soul. You must obey Jesus. You must obey the word. And this is nothing new. The Great Commission itself has within it, go into the world, baptize, make disciples, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Becoming a Christian is synonymous with pledging your allegiance to Jesus as master. It is natural and needed for believers to obey Christ. Obedience is the hallmark not only of genuine Christianity, but of vibrant Christianity. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you to beware the habit of disobeying God's word. Beware the habit of developing a disobedience towards God's word. What I mean by this is that we can often delude ourselves into thinking that we're okay because we enjoy reading the Bible. We like to listen to messages. We even like to pray the Bible without ever actually lifting a finger to go and do what it says. To people like that, the Apostle James had something to say in chapter 1, verse 22 of his letter, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. To people like this, Jesus had something to say in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Friends, many Christians are failing to thrive in their lives as believers, and some are even showing that they were never truly saved because of their failure to obey the word. Don't let this be you. Each time you read or listen to the Bible preached, you should be saying to yourself, as a child of God, what does my Lord require of me based on what I've just read and what I've just heard? As one who's already been saved through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what does my master call me to do and be based on what I'm listening to from the word preached and what I'm reading in the scriptures? Let that be your heart posture. And when you discover what God has called you to do, do it quickly. Obedience is not only a fruit of abiding, but it is a means of abiding, a means of staying close to Jesus. Therefore then... Obey the word. Obey the word of God. The idea of obeying the scriptures, honestly, I know I felt this when I thought about this. It can feel daunting at times, right? That we have this whole book. How are we to go about obeying it? Well, thankfully, we have a lifetime to do so. Thankfully, we're obeying on the basis of grace, not trying to earn anything from the Lord. But where do we start? We'll start with the immediate context of this passage. It's true that we're to obey all the commands of Christ, but specifically in this passage, the commandment that the Lord Jesus has in mind is loving fellow believers 
as Jesus has loved you. He's reiterating what he already taught earlier that evening in John chapter 13, verse 34. He's reiterating it here in John 15, verse 10, and 12, and 17. Just look at verse 12 for a moment. This is my commandment. He's telling us what the commandment in verse 10 is. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the first place for you to begin, brothers and sisters, in obeying the word. It's in loving your fellow saints as Jesus has loved you. Therefore, go out and love the members and the people of this church eagerly, sacrificially, generously. Go and love one another. Go and love each other the same way it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. If you know of a couple in the church who's had a newborn and they could use some help, why not volunteer and say, hey, I'd love to babysit once a month and just serve you and just love you. If you know of a saint in the church who's struggling because of financial difficulties with COVID, why not think to yourself, how can I be a blessing to them? Whether that's monetarily, whether that's in another way of serving, how can I be a blessing? How can I love not only in words but in deed and in truth? Start here. Love each other. Love your brothers and sisters. Obey the word. Jesus has shown us if I want to thrive as a Christian, I must abide. If I want to thrive as a believer this year, I must stay close to him. I must stay close to him because he's my only source of power. I must stay close to him by living a word-centered life of absorbing, praying, and obeying the word. And now briefly, verse 11, see the purpose statement explaining all that he said thus far. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This leads us to our final principle of abiding, our final principle of thriving in Jesus. I must stay close to Jesus in order to experience real joy. I must stay close to Jesus in order to experience real joy. Think about it. Jesus wants you to be happy. How amazing is that? Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, he's concerned that you would be glad. He's concerned that you would be joyful, that you would know exuberance. And so he tells you, stay close to me. He says, stay close to me because I am the source of joy. People of God, truly, we cannot do a thing on our own. We cannot even be happy. Without Jesus. We cannot even be truly joyful without Jesus. All the joys in this life, they are temporary. They are fragile and unprotected compared to Jesus. At any moment, anything in this life can be snatched away. And ultimately, all the joys of this life pale in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. True joy, fullness of joy, unrelenting joy is found in Christ. Jesus is concerned with your joy, and so should you be. Therefore, commit yourself to staying close to Jesus. Commit yourself to being close to Jesus, and you will know real and lasting joy. Saints, as we close, I want you to imagine for a moment that you lived in a land known as chocolate ice cream land. You lived in this world where chocolate ice cream was free, 
It was available to you 24-7, any place, any hour of the day. You ate as much as you like, and you would never get sick. You would never get full. There's no such thing as being bloated here. The more ice cream you ate, because it was a source of joy, the more happy you would be. The more ice cream you would eat, some miraculous phenomena, you actually became more and more of a person of integrity and love. In this world, would you eat a little ice cream every day? Or would you eat as much ice cream as humanly possible? Obviously, you would eat as much as you could, right? If this is where I'm going to find joy, if this is where I'm going to find life, you would eat as much as you can. And oh yeah, no one would ever charge you with legalism. Because in this world, the more ice cream you ate, the more you glorified God. That sounds pretty great, right? It sounds like a wonderful place. But brothers and sisters, aren't you glad that we don't live in chocolate ice cream land? We're not commanded to delight ourselves in ice cream. We're commanded to delight ourselves in Jesus. You live in this world, in this life, where God has called you, commanded you, given you the privilege to delight yourself in Jesus. Therefore, I encourage you, delight yourself in him to your heart's content. Don't ask yourself, how little abiding do I need to do and still be a Christian? Ask yourself instead, how joyful do I want to be? How much do I want my character and conduct to reflect Jesus Christ? How much glory to God do I want to bring through my fruitful answers to prayers? How much transformation do I want to experience by absorbing the word? How weak am I apart from Jesus? Let the answers to those questions drive you to a place of abiding. Let the answers to those questions drive you to a place of staying close to Jesus. And if you do, just watch how you will begin to bear much fruit. Just wait and see how you will begin to thrive. Saints of God, stay close to Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, holy God, for your word. Thank you that you show us the way in which to live, to live a fruitful and abundant life. Lord, we know we can do nothing without you. So we begin even here. As we've absorbed the word, now we pray it. Please help us. Help us to abide in you. Help us to stay close to you. Help us to go and live our lives in obedience to your scriptures and help us to know true joy, true life, true satisfaction in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.